Alright. Well, let's get started. Let's go to Lord and Lord in prayer, and then we'll get going. Father, we do thank you for this day. We thank you for uh, the opportunity to come and to uh, look at your word and to see how it calls us to live. We pray that as we um, see your word and hear it presented and hear it read, that it would work in our lives and that it would draw us to you and it would uh, call us to a relationship that is closer and um, has a greater desire to love and to serve you. We thank you for your faithfulness to us and for the ability to um, come into worship at this time. In your name we pray. Amen. Um, I mentioned earlier about the camp stuff, so if you haven't um, yet registered for camp, I'm not going to have the church register everybody individually as um, if they end up do having camp, you or family may decide that you don't want to go or that you do want to go depending on various circumstances. Um, so that'll just allow you to have a little bit more freedom and a little bit more ease in changing your plans if you decide not to have your kids go to camp without other people becoming involved in the process. So uh, if you would register for camp, that'd be great. Um, other than that, no other big announcement yet. We're working on making future plans as to when services will resume so you can continue to be in prayer for us. Uh, we should have um, some sort of answer um, in the near future. So we'll keep you posted when we know for sure. Let's, let's dive into our text though. Um, Genesis 31, we're going to read through seven, verse 17 all the way through verse 55. Then Jacob rose and set his sons and his wives on camels, and he carried away all his livestock and all his possessions which he had gained, his acquired livestock which he had gained in Padan Aram, to go to his father's house in the land of Canaan. Now Laban had gone to shear his sheep, and Rachel had stolen the household idols that were her father's. And Jacob stole away, unknown to Laban the Syrian, and that he did not tell that him that he intended to flee. So he fled with all that he had. He arose and crossed the river and headed toward the mountains of Gilead. And Laban was told on the third day that Jacob had fled. Then he took his brethren with him and pursued him for seven days' journey, and he overtook him in the mountains of Gilead. But God had come to Laban the Syrian in a dream by night and said to him, Be careful that you speak to Jacob, neither good nor bad. So Laban overtook Jacob. Now Jacob had pitched his tent in the mountains, and Laban with his brethren pitched in the mountains of Gilead. And, Jacob, and Laban said to Jacob, What have you done that you have stolen away unknown to me and carried away my daughters like captives taken with a sword why did you flee away secretly and steal away from me and not tell me for i might have sent you away with joy and songs with timbrel and harp and you did not allow me to kiss my sons and my daughters now you have done foolishly in so doing it is in my power to do you harm but the god of your father spoke to me last night saying be careful that you speak to Jacob neither good nor bad, and now you have surely gone because and now you have surely gone because you greatly long for your father's house. But why did you steal my gods? Verse thirty one. Then Jacob answered and said to Laban, Because I was afraid, for I said, Perhaps you would take your daughters from me by force. 
with whomever you find your gods. Do not let him live in the presence of our brethren. Identify what I have of yours and take it with you. For Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen them. And Laban went into Jacob's tent, into Leah's tent, and into the maid's tents, but he did not find them. Then he went to, then he went out of Leah's tent and entered Rachel's tent. Now Rachel had taken the household idols, put them in the camel saddle, and sat on them. And Laban searched all about the tent, but did not find them. And she said to her father, Let it not displease my lord that I cannot rise before you, for the manner of women is with me. And he searched, but did not find the household idols. Then Jacob was angry and rebuked Laban. And Jacob answered and said to Laban, What is my trespass? What is my sin that you have so hotly pursued me, although you have searched all my things? What part of your household things have you found? Set it here before my brethren and your brethren, that you may judge between that they may judge between us both. These twenty years I have been with you. Your ewes and your female goats have not miscarried their young, and I have not eaten the rams of your flock. That which was torn by beasts I did not bring to you. I bore the loss of it. You required it from my hand. Whether stolen by day or stolen by night, there I was in the day. The drought consumed me and the frost by night, and my sleep departed from my eyes. Thus I have been in your house twenty years. I served you fourteen years for your two daughters and six years for your flocks. And you have changed my wages ten times. Unless the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had been with me, surely now you would have sent me away empty-handed. God has seen my affliction and the labor of my hands and rebuked you last night. And Laban answered and said to Jacob, These daughters are my daughters, and these children are my children, and this flock is my flock. All this you, that you see is mine, but what can I do this day to see... To these my daughters, or to their children, whom you have borne. Now therefore, come, let us make a covenant, you and I. Let it be a witness between you and me. So Jacob took a stone and set it up as a pillar. Then Jacob said to his brethren, Gather, and they ate there on the uh, gather stones. And they took stones and made a heap, and they ate there on the heap. Laban called it Jagar Shahadutha, but Jacob called it Galid. And Laban said, This heap is a witness. Between you and me this day. Therefore its name was called Galid. Also Mizpah. Because he said. May the Lord watch between you and me. And when you, we are absent one from another. If you afflict my daughters. Or if you take other wives besides my daughters. Although no man is with us. See God is witness between you and me. Then Laban said to Jacob. Here is the heap. And here is this pillar that I have placed between you and me. This heap is a witness. And this pillar is a witness that I will not pass beyond this heap to you, and you will not pass beyond this heap and this pillar to me for harm. The God of Abraham, the God of Nahor, and the God of their father judge between us. And Jacob swore by the fear of his father Isaac. Then Jacob offered a sacrifice on the mountain and called his brethren to eat bread. And they ate bread and stayed all night on the mountain. And early in the morning Laban arose and kissed his sons and daughters and blessed them. Then Laban departed and returned to his place. The big idea is that God graciously guards those who follow him in obedience. God graciously guards those who follow him in obedience. It's interesting, as the text begins in verses 17 through 35, you have obedience 
guarding from the consequences of sin. And so as the text opens up, Jacob is obedient. It's not obedience guarding Jacob from his sin, but obedience of Jacob guarding Rachel, his wife, from the consequences of sin. If you remember from earlier in chapter 31, we looked at chapter the end of chapter 30 and chapter the beginning part of 31 last week. Jacob has just been told by God to return to the land that he has come from, right? He's been told to return to his father, to go back to that land, and that God will protect him, that God will guard him as he goes. And so he sets out on this trip. He sets out to go to this place, and as he heads that way, there's lots of chances for him to face um, harm, to face hardship, to face persecution, so to speak. And so his obedience is actually guarding his entire family. And so he immediately obeys. It appears as if he's immediate in his obedience. He's had this conversation with his two wives in the field, and they decide, yes, we're going to obey. And immediately it appears as if he begins to pack up his kids, and he begins to head out. It's interesting. Uh, Rachel steals the household idols, and that's wrong. There's no way we can sugarcoat this or make it sound like, you know, Rachel wasn't as bad as all that. No, she's stolen something that wasn't hers. It's wrong. And Laban finds out three days after Jacob has already left, and he begins to chase Jacob down. And he takes another seven days to catch up with Jacob. Jacob's had a head start, but he has all the kids and all the livestock, whereas Laban is simply pursuing with a band of men, and it appears as if his intent, his desire is to do some sort of harm to Jacob, to mistreat him once again, as he has in the past. And as he journeys on, God warns him not to do something good or bad to Jacob when he had come, when he reaches him. In verse 24, But God had come to Laban the Syrian in a dream by night and said to him, Be careful that you speak to Jacob neither good nor bad. And so he overtakes him, and Laban's rebuke ignores his own sin and accuses Jacob of sinning. And so when you get to verse 26, Laban is just conscientious of what he thinks that Jacob has done wrong. And he begins and he accuses him of stealing away unknown and he's carried away his daughters. It's interesting. I mean, his daughters, Laban's daughters, are Jacob's wives, right? It's like there's a change in relationship here, okay? They're not primarily your daughters anymore. They're now this man's wives. And he's been called by God to move. One can make a very strong argument that Jacob probably shouldn't have spent the last 20 years in Padan Aram. He should have been in the promised land, the land that God has promised to give him. Yet now he is choosing to return in obedience. And why have you stolen away? And he's accusing him. He's angry with him. And in verse 29, he says, It is in my power to do you harm, but the God of your father spoke to me last night, saying, Be careful that you speak to Jacob neither good nor bad. And then at the end, he accuses Jacob of stealing the household idols. And it's interesting, Jacob denies that accusation. He acknowledges that he's ran away. 
but he denies stealing. And he, he points to Laban's sin and he says, your own sin is something that you've completely missed in this whole picture. Why is Jacob afraid of his father-in-law? That's not a healthy um, son-in-law, father-in-law relationship, right? It's not healthy for the, the son-in-law to be afraid that the father-in-law is going to take everything that he has and his daughter's back. And he says, I was afraid perhaps you would take your daughters from me by force. And he makes a very rash, foolish oath that says, With whomever you find your gods, do not let him live. In the presence of your brother, and identify what I have of yours, and take it with you. For Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen them. And as the story progresses, Laban enters into the various tents of the camp. He enters Leah's tent, he enters the maid's tent, he enters Jacob's tent, he enters Rachel's tent. And God sovereignly protects Rachel by what possibly is another lie. But God protects her. And that allows for her to be preserved so that there is the last tribe of the nation of Israel. God guards Jacob. Why? I think a good part and a big reason why God chooses to guard Jacob from his sin is because Jacob has determined to pursue obedience and to pursue faithfulness to God. You see, God graciously guards those who follow him in obedience. And Jacob is following God in obedience. Rachel is in disobedience. Rachel deserves the consequences of sin. But God graciously guards her. Why? Because of Jacob's obedience and faithfulness to God. And so are you living by faith? God blesses those who choose to walk by faith. God blesses those who live by faith, who pursue obedience and faithfulness to him. Is that something that characterizes you? Seems that God spared Rachel because of Jacob's act of faith. Are your acts of faith, is your life characterized by the same type of faith that Jacob is demonstrating? Are you the type of person that God would graciously guard because of your faithfulness and your obedience to God's word? As the text moves on, God graciously guards against deceitful opponents. Why? Because Jacob is obedient. Jacob trusts in God. As the text moves on, Jacob becomes angry. And he really highlights Laban's own sinfulness in this passage. And he highlights how exactly Laban has sinned against him. He's like, I have been uh, resolved of our cleared of all wrong you know you can't find the gods that you accuse me of stealing but what we do know Laban is that you have wronged me and you have wronged me in numerous ways and you've wronged me consistently for the past 20 years you're acting like you're so so holy and righteous Laban but you're really not 
You have your very serious character flaws that have stretched out for the past two decades. Let me lay them out for you. What is my trespass? What is my sin that you have so hotly pursued me? Although you have searched all my things, what part of your household things have you found? Set it here before my brethren and your brethren, that they may judge between us both. These twenty years I have been with you, your ewes and your female goats have not miscarried their young. He was a good shepherd, he cared for the sheep well. And I have not eaten the rams of your flock. I didn't steal. You don't need that many rams in a flock of sheep. It'd be easy for a shepherd to say, you know, the owner of these sheep is not going to miss this ram. I'm just going to take this one and kind of, you know, butcher it and roast it and have roasted lamb. And the owner will never know. It's not a big deal. It's okay. I'm happy. They should be happy too. He says, I didn't do that. That which was torn by a beast I did not bring to you. I bore the loss of it. When something came and an animal devoured one of the animals that I was in uh, protection of, I didn't come and tell you, hey, look, here's the carcass. Sorry about that. I'll try to do better and make sure the bears and lions stay away a little better next time. No. Jacob paid for the loss himself. That which was, uh, I bore the loss of it. You required it from my hand, whether stolen by day or stolen by night. What he's saying is you've been unjust. I couldn't be, I shouldn't have been held responsible for those lost animals. But I did not argue with you. There I was in the day, the drought consumed me, and the frost by night, and my sleep departed from my eyes. Thus I have been in your house twenty years. I served you fourteen years for your two daughters. And six years for your flocks. And you have changed my wages ten times. He's not talking about ten pay increases, you know. Cost of living, Jacob. Hey, let's give you a 3% cost of living inflation adjustment. That's not what he's talking about. Okay. What he's saying is you've acted deceptively. You've tried to cheat me out of my wages. And this is where you really see Jacob's confidence, Jacob's faith and obedience in God. Why? Because he believes who God is. He believes something about God. And he believes that God is the one who is protecting and who is preserving him through this whole situation. Not just in the middle of the wilderness as he's making a trek of a couple hundred miles back to the land that God has given to him. But he says, God was protecting me even back then. Even in the midst of you changing my wages ten times, even in the midst of your cruel treatment of charging me and making me pay for animals that were killed by beasts in the wilderness. Look at verse 22. Unless the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac, the fear of Isaac is a phrase that points to who God is. Had been with me, surely now you would have sent me away empty handed. He says, If I had not done what I did, and if God had not been acting on my behalf, if God had not been protecting and guarding me from your deceptive, cruel practices, I would be leaving, going back to the promised land that God has called me to, 
God told me he would return me to, and I would have absolutely nothing to show for my 20 years of work here. And so Jacob is really laying out, Laban, you are deceptive. You are a cruel overlord. And yet God has protected me. And God will continue to protect me. Why? Because of Jacob's obedience. Jacob is choosing now to follow God in obedience. Surely now you would have sent me away empty-handed. God has seen my affliction and the labor of my hands and rebuked you last night. God wants us to walk by faith. It's interesting. Laban responds, and it, it continues to betray, betray Laban's treachery and uh, show who he really is. Laban answers, I mean, this is a pretty big rebuke that Jacob has just laid at the feet of Laban. And Laban's response is, these daughters are my daughters. He still doesn't get it. God has protected and preserved and these children are my children. This flock is my flock. All that you see is mine. But what can I do this day to these my daughters or to their children whom you have born? Now therefore, come, let us make a covenant to you and I, and let it be a witness between you and me. Why is he seeking to make a covenant? It's interesting. Every other time that we've seen somebody who isn't a patriarch come and make a covenant with one of the patriarchs, it's an acknowledgement of God's blessing on their life, God's protection, and God's care in that individual's life. And it actually establishes the individual who is asked, please make a covenant with me. It shows that the individual who's asking for it realizes that they are now at a higher social standing. That they are of greater wealth, of greater power, and of greater blessing in God's eyes than them. And so Laban's like, I have no choice but to seek a covenant. Why? Because if I don't, I might lose even more. And so Laban is now also acknowledging, to a lesser degree, not to the same extent that Jacob does, he's acknowledging the truth of verse 42, that God is the one who has protected and preserved and kept Jacob to this point. God is the one who has guarded Jacob and provided for him. And so Jacob does enter into a treaty. Jacob took a stone and he sets it up and they gather the stones and they eat there and they both name it. And Laban says, it's interesting, Laban has been seeking through his own power, his own abilities, his own means to protect his children, right? That's one of his big problems. He's like, why did you take away my daughters? I would have sent them off with timbrel and with song and with a great feast. And we would have enjoyed having this parting time. But you refused me that ability. Jacob wants to protect. He wants to provide. He wants to care for his grandkids. He wants to provide for his daughters. Right? But why do they set up this? What does this mean to Jacob? This is actually Laban entrusting his grandkids, his daughters, into God's protection. Right? May the Lord watch between you and me, 
And when we are absent from one another, if you afflict my daughters, or if you take other wives besides my daughters, although no man is with us, see, God is witness between you and me. He acknowledges God's the one who ultimately guards. God is the one who ultimately protects. God is the one who I must choose to live by faith in. And so it's, it's like Laban's actually learned the theology lesson. That we're supposed to live by faith. That God is the one who ultimately guards. God is the one who ultimately protects. And Laban has been deceptively working for the last 20 years to try and work about the protection of his own resources. The protection of his daughter's marital rights. Right? He's so concerned that Leah won't get married that he allows his daughters to both marry the same man. And now here, he's upset about the idea that potentially Jacob could take another wife. I mean, his moral understanding of how life works is very loose, right? Like, if it's wrong for Jacob to take another wife, in addition to, you know, the two maids and Rachel and Leah... Why wouldn't it be wrong for you, Laban, to, you know, offer Leah instead of Rachel and then say, well, you know, in a week we'll give you a Rachel too. Let's just, you know, we got to do things according to custom. And the right way to do things is for us to give you Leah first because she's the oldest and then give you Rachel. But here he's looking at the whole situation. He says, you know what? All my scheming, all my plotting to protect my daughters to ensure that they both are married, to protect my inheritance for my sons, to protect my own wealth so that I'm secured in retirement, hasn't worked. Why? Because ultimately it's not his ability, it's not your ability, it's not my ability to protect, to guard us from the difficulties, the hardships, the trials that are in this life. The only person who is able to guard you, the only person who is able to guard me through the trials and difficulties that we encounter in this life is God. And Laban learns the theology lesson. And he's choosing to live by faith to a far lesser degree, I think, than Jacob. But he's beginning to understand and he's beginning to take those first steps in choosing to walk by faith. And so the question is, are you and I going to do the same thing? God is a God who delivers. God is a God who protects and guards and keeps those who choose to faithfully walk in obedience to his principles and his instructions. And so where are you and I going to turn for guardianship? Where are we going to turn to for protection in the midst of the crisis that we are facing? And in the midst of the difficult decisions that you and I must make in the coming days? In the midst of difficulties at home, where are we going to turn And what we should be thinking and what we should be intending and purposing in our hearts to do is to turn to God and to say, where else can we go but to God? He has the words 
of eternal life. He is the one who has guarded Abraham. He is the one who has guarded Isaac. He is the one who has guarded Jacob. He is the one who guarded the children of Israel in Egypt. He is the one who guarded Samuel as he took messages that were very difficult to an evil king. He is the one who guarded David. He is the one who guarded the prophet Isaiah. He is the one who guarded Jeremiah. He is the one who guarded the apostle Paul. and He is the one who will guard you and I. And the question is, will you and I respond in faithful obedience and trust to his word? That's what Jacob did. And he experienced God's guarding and God's protecting in his life. And that's what Laban realizes he must do. His own scheming, his own plotting has not worked. It's brought about huge problems. And now he chooses to trust in God. Will you do the same? Will I do the same? Then Laban said to Jacob, here is, my, here is this heap and here is this pillar that I have placed between you and me. This heap is a witness and this pillar is a witness that I will not pass beyond this heap to you and you will not pass beyond this heap to me. And this pillar is to me for harm. The God of Abraham, the God of Nahor, and the God of their fathers judge between us. And Jacob swore by the fear of his father Isaac. He swore by God. Then Jacob offered a sacrifice on the mountain and called his brother to eat bread. And they ate bread and stayed all night on the mountain. And early in the morning Laban arose and kissed his sons and daughters and blessed them. Then Laban departed and returned to his place. What is Jacob's response to seeing who God is? And to seeing people respond to who God is? Jacob has not only had the opportunity to really preach a sermon. He's rebuked Laban. He said, you're wrong. You've sinned against me. And God is ultimately the one who's protected me. And if you want protection, Laban, you better turn to God and live by faith too. But he's also seen to a certain degree. I don't think that Laban completely changed and he's a completely changed man. He never tries to do things by his own desires, his own means again. But he begins to live by faith in a small way. And what is Jacob's response? He worships, he worships God. He offers sacrifices. Your response to the truth that God guards those who live in faithful obedience should be to worship God which should lead you to have a greater desire to want to pursue obedience to live by faith to live in conformity to God's word and so how does this passage call on you and I to live I think one thing that we should think about is are you and I going through a situation in which we would like God to protect us. And chances are you're either in one of those situations or you've just come out of one or you're probably going to be going into one. No. Not all situations are to the same extent. But life is full of trials. Life is full of different little hard times. Sometimes it's a hard time that lasts for one day. Or an hour during a day where there's just a, a bunch of trying situations or one trying situation at work 
and you and I wish that we had some place of protection. And in those moments where you and I are like, man, I wish I had some place where I could just go to and feel protected. God is that person. And he desires to protect and to guard you. And God graciously guards those who follow him in faithful obedience. And so the question is, are you following him in faithful obedience? I can't sit here tonight and list out all the various ways and areas of your life that you could either choose to follow God in faithful obedience or choose to reject it. But you know what? Your conscience is a pretty good start. So what has your conscience been telling you? That's wrong. Don't do that. Stop that. That's not pleasing to God. How would you feel if that was known by everybody else? That's a really good place to start. Walking in faithful obedience. Your conscience is already telling you that is wrong. To stop it. Live in faithful obedience in that area. God is still perfectly capable of protecting and providing for you. And so, will you and I come before God, see who He is, choose to repent of our own self-reliance, our own deceptive practices, and choose to rely upon God and live in faithful obedience? Perhaps you're, you're with us tonight and you're not sure that you are a believer, that you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ's finished work. And so this talk of God being a God who guards and protects and guides is maybe a difficult idea because you're not sure how you can get to the point where God is a God who guards you and protects you. Because when you think about God and you think about your own sin, you think of the penalty that you should pay. And that's why God sent his son, Jesus Christ, into the earth to come and to die for your sins and for my sins. So that we can repent of our own self-reliance, our own efforts, our own desires, going to church, giving money, serving in various ways, being kind to our neighbors. Those are all good things. But they won't guard you from the fires of hell. The only thing that will guard you is your faith in Jesus Christ. And what God wants from you and what God wants from me is to be sure in our own hearts that we have placed our faith in Jesus Christ's finished work. That we are trusting in, that we are relying in his finished work to provide us with the security and hope so that we can face death with confidence. Knowing that God sent his son to pay the penalty for our sins. And if you're not sure, that's the primary way that God wants you to follow him in faithful obedience. 
And if you choose to do that, if you choose to place your faith in Jesus' finished work on the cross, you can be confident tonight that God will graciously guard you because of your faithful obedience, your trust in his finished work. And you don't have to fear death. And then your whole life is simply a walk of faith. Looking at God's word, studying God's word, understanding it to a greater degree. And even if it's hard, living by faith. Because those are the type of people that God chooses to graciously guard. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for the fact that you are a God who graciously guards us and protects us from the many dangers and difficulties and trying times that are around us. We pray that as we go through those difficult times, as we go through those situations, that you would help us to be faithfully obedient to you. And that as we pursue you in faithful obedience, that you would continue to guard and to protect us through the trials and difficulties of this life. In your name we pray. Amen. This Wednesday, we'll be meeting via Zoom for a prayer meeting. And we will be getting out an announcement about um, services, whether or not we'll keep doing electronic or we will move to some physical services um, in the near future. So you can be looking forward to that announcement. We'll be putting it on Facebook um, and also on email. So have a good evening and walk by faith. Bye.